Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Nine o'clock hour. Happy New Year, folks. It's the final show of 2023. When next we speak, it'll be 2024. Incredible. And we're going to hear from uh, Jimmy Johnson. You found the audio of uh, uh, why coaches are so paranoid. Yeah, he's telling that story. It's a great story. It is a great story. And Sark was paranoid yesterday. Nick Saban's paranoid about laptop or iPads. And for good reason. For good reason. They all should be paranoid. Stakes are high. Stakes are high. Also, uh, I just sent you some audio tie about... uh, Jerry Jones kind of admitting that. How about this? We'll play this for you. That Jerry Jones kind of admitted that uh, he screwed up with Jimmy Johnson, and that Barry Switzer tried to warn him. Oh, before he hired him, like, yeah, don't do this. Yeah, hey, no, but, don't. <laughs> I'll play this for you. I'm a ball out. coach. Don't do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because Barry Switzer had coached both of them. That's what I'm saying. So he knew. He's like, Nah, man, you need to make this work. And finally, Jimmy Johnson will go into the Ring of Honor. And you know, Rod, when we hit 2024, you know what that means. I don't want to say this too loud for the Cowboys fans, but don't say 2024. We'll make it 25 years since I promised on radio that I would walk to Dallas if they win the Super Bowl. That'll be the 25th year coming up uh, next fall. I think you're safe again. (laughs) Unless they can do something about it this year. I don't know, man. I don't know. They haven't shown me much. I don't know. Talking about this this two-game stretch with – They're good. I don't know. They're they're not Super Bowl. When when Super Bowl good. There's just something missing. Even if they got there, they had to beat the 49ers to get there, which I don't know if they could do. And then they got to beat – Probably the Ravens, which I don't think they could do either. You know what I hate to say? Because, you know, you and I both hate to say we told you so. But we both talked about the lack of a running back. And I look back at this Cowboys team, and I'm like, you know what? If they had a better goal line running back and someone who could punch it in in the red zone like Zeke did last year, I mean, how many times? You go to the Arizona game, go to the Philadelphia game, go to the game against the Dolphins. Yeah, they won that game. Get rid of the 49ers game. That was an embarrassment. The Bills game was a no-show. So they still have that in them. But the other three losses have come because they couldn't punch it in from the five-yard line. And just the other night, Tony Pollard, on a play he should have scored on. I don't I mean, know how he didn't score. Like, the, everybody gives the Dolphins linebacker credit for stuffing the play. It's like, you've got to find the end zone right there. How'd you not just beat him to the pylon? Yeah, beat him to the pylon, get Crazy. the ball across the end zone. And, of course, on the next play, they fumble it and fumble the exchange, and they give up seven points. I mean, the, the same thing happened in Philadelphia, same thing happened in Arizona, where they couldn't score. And you can directly attribute to that to not having a thumper at running back, mm-hmm. to not having that dude. Uh, and that's a shame. That's, that's that, a shame. It seemed like an easy fix. It seemed like it was too obvious. It seemed like that was an easy fix, too. It does feel like they have everything else, um, you know, that you're looking for. They just don't run the ball. And they go into Miami against a team that was banged up, and they ran, what, 12 carries for 30-some yards for Tony Pollard? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they should be better than that running the football. Yeah, but I will say this. You just – you brought this up about the Browns. Browns don't have a great running game. 
They don't have a great running game. Uh, well, and that's why I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I think there will be a tough outcome AFC playoffs. It's like the Cowboys were. Yeah. Cowboys aren't going to – you know, not going to be an easy out. I mean, they're a good football team. But, uh, you know, I, I look for balance. I look for being really good on both sides of the ball. Uh, Browns are just hot. And sometimes that hot team can yeah, scare right. the hell out of you. That's why I said the Nick Foles story with this Joe Flacco. It's just when Nick Foles – remember when the Eagles lost Carson Wentz and it was, oh, man, the season's over. This guy just picked it up and ran with it. Just, yeah, and now they're you're right. And they're it's, playing their best football. Well, this and as somebody pointed out that they were five and one before Deshaun Watson got hurt. So this is a really good football team, even with the injuries. Yep. And when they've had either Flacco or Deshaun Watson starting, they're like you know what, ten and two. You know, they're a good football team. Uh, so they will be a problem. And it's funny that they still could win the AFC North. They really could if the Dolphins were to beat the Ravens on Sunday, and then the Steelers were to upset the Ravens in week yeah. eight, week seventeen. Browns could be the division champs, but uh, that is an unbelievable story. And that would give Kevin Stefanski, who was almost fired, it Last seemed like he was year, on his yeah. way to being fired. He was, yeah. This would give him two NFL Coach of the Year awards in four years. Because remember, he won it in 2020. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Man, I didn't even think about that. So, the, 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 wow. so almost within a five-year period, he's going to have two Coach of the Year awards. And, and go from being Daniel on, was the fired. Seat, go, go on the hot seat to getting an extension. Because, you know, it's like, well, he's a, his agent should be able to work with that. It's like, man, he's coach of the year twice for you guys. Come on, now. It's last time it happened to a Browns coach. Has it ever happened to a Browns coach? Well, because, again, that. that's a regular season award. Then, you know, whatever happens to them in the playoffs. But, you know, KC's got their issues, and their defense would match up well with that Kansas City mess at on offense. You know, we know what uh, yeah. you know, Miami, they're good, but can be beaten, you feel like, with a really good defense. Because, look, if you can de- play defense and you're getting that kind of quarterback play, yeah. Beat anybody on any given day. You're going to be in every game. Yeah. That defense will keep them in every game. That's right. And it does. Uh, that is a, and Miles Garrett and is a big play waiting to happen. Darius Smith on the other side, Jadavion Clowney, the coverage they do. They're a good team. They're a good team. They, they made the Jets look silly last night. Yeah, the, the Jets. The, well, the Jets will do that all by themselves, right? The Jets don't need the, uh, the Browns to make them look silly. The Jets. You know what's amazing about the Jets? I will give them the credit for this. Oh, Garrett Wilson has a hundred, has a thousand yards receiving again. <laughs> he's a good player. I don't even know how the hell that. How do you do that? He's going to be like Andre Johnson was with Houston. He he's just really going to put up is. good numbers with and bad then, quarterbacks. Yeah, unless Aaron Rodgers can get back or. They, yeah, it's amazing that he's been able to do that because they. Uh, Joe Flacco has more passing touchdowns than the Jets do, as a team. And yet, he's been playing for a month. He's been playing for a month. That's real fact. He's got 13. They got 11. That's how well he's been playing. And that's how bad the Jets passing offense has been. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it gets ugly. All right, before we um, get, to, get back to talking Texas-Washington, because we're doing a lot of Texas-Washington preview, can we play the sound of Jimmy Johnson? Because you were talking about how Sark, um, uh, he, was, uh, he was just uh, very adamant in getting the media out. Um, once their media window was done for pro- can get down to practicing. And I think coaches I brought the, I think coaches are all paranoid about that media window and they want to make sure that everything in the media window is as vanilla <laughs> as possible and that no possible opponent who sees any of the media window coverage will get any advantages from it. I think it all kind of stems back from this Jimmy Johnson story that he told about their Super Bowl versus the Buffalo Bills. Here it is. But Dallas was helped by something Jimmy Johnson learned earlier in the week, simply by watching television. You know, at all the Super Bowls, they would let cameras come in just for the first couple of minutes to get what they call B-roll before you practice. And I was watching just a local uh, sports station, and it had the B-roll of Buffalo warming up. And I saw Jim Kelly 
taking the football without anybody else other than Thurman Thomas and pitching it like a um, shuffle pass. And it looked to me like they were actually practicing the, you know, the pitch. And so I went back to my defensive coordinator, Butch Davis. I said, Butch, have they run the shuffle pass? I don't recall seeing it on any of the game film. And that we went all the way back through. They hadn't run the shuffle pass all year long. As it turns out, uh, I think they ran it like three times. They ended up stopping for losses. And actually got a fumble, one of the biggest plays in the ball game. Kelly with a shovel pass to Thomas and fumble! Thurman Thomas fumbled the ball and stripped of it coming forward on that shovel pass. And the Cowboys have claimed a fumble. Oh man, oh man, oh man. So just by luck, I was watching television and able to pick up the shuffle pass. I told Jim hey, Kelly on. about it years later, and you know, I had a laugh. He didn't laugh very much. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, shame on us. Why were we doing that during the uh, the B-roll yeah, session? Like, I had a laugh. He didn't laugh about it very much. All we had to much. do is be doing yeah. some jumping jacks or something. Isn't that great? That's how great of a coach Jimmy Johnson is. He's watching the news. He's just hanging out, probably, you know, eating some chips, whatever, watching news. He thinks to himself, Oh, I don't think I've ever seen him run that play. Let me go talk to my D coordinator about it. Ends up being like a huge play in the Super Bowl. The details, babe. The details. That's why. That's why these great matchups. You got so much time. Got extra time for the Super Bowl too. Got extra time to figure out some of these things. What did Sarak? What does Kevin DeBoer figure out in this little bit of time? What little nugget did they get? That something you could find that's really small and then be extrapolated. All right, uh, by you and your staff, and then you use that very small, minuscule bit of information and data to actually open up a, you know, a, basically a, a game plan breakthrough for you. It's, and that's what Jerry Johnson did. That broke the game wide open. It's crazy. Well, as we stands right now, the Longhorns are a four-point favorite in the game, so close. And then, gosh, the Michigan-Alabama game, point and a half. It's a pick 'em game essentially in the Rose Bowl, so both games could come down to a single play, right? It's oh, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, we've seen both Texas and Alabama, Texas and Washington play and win games on a single play essentially. That you know, the fourth and fourth and goal stop against Kansas State for Texas, the the game against Houston came down to a play or two uh, that you had to make to get it. Uh, Washington's done the very same thing yep. the other way. Pretty darn impressive, uh, and pretty pretty leads to to the excitement of what this. Game can be. What, yep. what it, mean? it feels like a classic. It feels like we're going to get it a guy. And, and maybe don't want to hype it up too much, but the, the mirror images of the teams, the football character of both teams, the, the toughness, the, the matchup is favorable for a lot of points to be scored to where this thing could be the 37-34 kind of game, Rod. I agree with that. Um, where it's like, you know, because I asked my friend Mike Craven on this when we recorded our Eyes on Texas podcast uh, last night, which will come out today. Uh, what's what's the point total in your mind that Texas needs to get to to believe that? Because if, if you tell me right now that Texas scores 27, I don't they think they lose. win the game. Yeah, they're going to lose that game. Uh, that's a great question. I'll probably right now in my mind, I think to be safe that that's a win for Texas, I'm thinking 36 points yeah. I think would 
Man, I feel good about 36. I think they, cause I, I think both teams are going to score, but I think Texas will hold Washington more often than Washington is going to hold Texas okay. defensively. Washington's defense is underrated. We do need to say that because they get uh, Longhorn fans are very critical as Washington defense. And listen, they statistically they rank as a worse pass defense than Texas. Um, but and you point this out too, and I think it's a great point when you've made it. You, you got to look at opponent adjusted. You know, stats, though, because they play better passing offenses and more prolific. Yeah, passing five of the offenses. top 16. Yeah. So they that's and they play bet, the best quarterbacks in the country, arguably, uh, or some of them. And Texas hasn't really played the best quarterbacks in the country. In fact, they play a lot of backup quarterbacks and Dylan Gabriel's the best quarterback they played. And we saw what happened there. And he had a great game. So, you know, I, I, I agree. I think Texas defense is better. No question. It's way better. But I think the the narrative that their defense is terrible and their defense just sucks and it's a wet toilet paper, I think that's a little overblown. Yeah, I agree. Because, yeah. I agree. Ask Oregon. Uh, beat Oregon twice. Yes. And, and I thought the quote you had for uh, listening to Chris Peterson, the former Washington coach, that, uh, you know, this is a defense that, you know, stats are for losers, right? Stats yeah. are for losers with this defense. It is. And I think uh, PK, who we heard from yesterday at his availability, he would say the same thing about this, this Texas team. They've gotten better as the year's gone on. They've kind of – he even said they tweaked some coverages here late in the year. We've seen them play more bump and run and which press coverage, yeah. which you know they're they're trying to, to get to to help get, get the pass rush home. And you know this this is the end. The, the, these are these are two really high football character teams that find ways. It's not about stats for them. They they find ways to win football games, overcome adversity, and uh, get things done. Uh, and you know both teams have many many examples of that. And just a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of, a lot of experienced mm-hmm. veteran leadership to lean on. That's why both coaches are pretty confident about what they've got. And I, I think, as you said, kind of like Jimmy Johnson, you know, the one game with Buffalo, they blew him out in the Super Bowl, but that was the closer Super Bowl they played. It could come down to a play or two. And do you have a piece of information that yep. can lead you to making the big play in the big moment that they kind of change at the football game? Um, look, there's a reason Michigan's trying to steal your signs. I mean, they're looking for a little bit of an advantage. All, and all it takes is a little bit, a small one. <laughs> yeah. A small one, man. It, it, you just saw in that uh, clip that we played for you, at least you heard in the clip we played for you, uh, a small little piece of data um, that the, your opponent doesn't know that you have or doesn't expect you to have can really make the difference. That's why I think tendency breaks. I always say to win a big game, this will be a big game. The Super Bowls is the biggest game. Uh, you have to break tendency at the right time because there's so much preparation done ahead of time. Time for these big games, uh, and that's why your Alabama game, the you know Oklahoma game for Texas, uh, Sark's really got to be in his bag. And I think we all we're all really excited to see exactly what innovative, creative concepts Sark's comes up with to start out the game because he does a really good job of uh, breaking tendency. We even uh, read a, I think it was the Athletic, they had a really nice piece about Sark from an anonymous coach who was talking about Sark, uh, and I think I believe it was the defensive coach in the Big 12, who said he he's a constant tendency breaker. Like, basically, it's hard to even figure out a tendency or a trend or a pattern with Texas because he goes out of his way to break the trend. Here's the quote. He says, quote, he has little to no tendencies. Um, if he has one, he breaks it the next week. His in-game adjustments are elite. He, uh, we played a stack man concept to a route we thought was coming, and he had a counter that we had never seen. That was something off an and one mixtape. Uh, so, yeah, he, you've got to break tendency in this game. Kalen DeBoer is the same thing. He's got to break tendency at the right time. I think one of the ways, and I, I brought this up earlier. Uh, we had a text to bring it up too. I think if you're Washington, one of the ways that I would break tendency is I would go up tempo at one point in the middle of the game. 
Like it, it first quarter, second quarter at one time. Probably second quarter is probably where you where you ideally would like to do it once you feel out Texas a little bit and then, you know, you're off script. You go up tempo on Texas because they've struggled in two minute offense, right? They're allowing uh, a higher if you look at uh points per play allowed the points per play allowed for texas they they shoot up they increase uh exponentially uh in two minute drill as opposed to throughout the game uh if you look at the uh opportunities that texas had to close out opponents when they're up by three touchdowns or by 20 to 21 points we saw it in u of h game saw it in the tcu game uh, we also saw it in the k-state game uh, when texas is unable to do that it's mostly because the opponent is forcing their defense to a compromising situation because they go up-tempo, hurry up. Why? Because they're running out of time, they're running out of plays, and they're down 20-something points. <laughs> so essentially they go up-tempo, which replicates you know, kind of that two-minute drill. It's all really, really the same thing, puts the defense in an emergency mode, in crisis mode, forcing them or at least, um, I think, challenging their communication, which Texas is really bad at, and it neutralized the pass rush somewhat, number one, because if Texas doesn't have Tavondre Sweat or Byron Murphy in there, then they can't sub. They can't even put them in there. We see that's Texas do that quite a bit. They take right? them both out. Take them both out. It's like, oh, they're out? If, matter of fact, that's when I would do it. If I see them off the field, let's go. We're going up-tempo. And you wear out the defensive line a little bit, right, because they're going up-tempo. They're conditioned. They're big boys. They're not meant to get in that many plays in such a short amount of time. So every time a team has gone up-tempo against Texas, whether you're talking about two-minute drill or whether you're talking about them going up-tempo because they're down 20-something points, they need to come back. And we saw that multiple times. Teams have had success versus Texas. That is a great way for Washington, who is 75th in the country in plays per minute, to break tendency. And Texas should be ready for that, by the way. Yeah, uh, it's well said. And then we'll see what the Longhorns do to break tendency the other way uh, on that side. I want to play this before we go to your rant, Rod. Here's, here's Jimmy, Jerry, Jerry Jones on the weekend that uh, Jimmy Johnson will finally go in the ring of honor. This was uh, previous, sound, but, but admitting that they kind of screwed this thing up, that uh, the two egos clashed. And uh, and it was Barry Switzer that actually told him <laughs> before it all went down. This is Jimmy Johns, or Jerry Jones in his own words. Uh, I uh, uh, go back to uh, uh, what Barry Switzer said. Barry Switzer came in the, uh, the office, and uh, Jimmy had just left. And so Barry came down from Norman, Oklahoma, to talk about getting the job. And he comes in and he said, where's Jimmy? Now, Barry had coached us both. He said, where's Jimmy? And I said, Jimmy's gone. He said, well, that's not right. Get him. Get him in here. I said, where's Jimmy? I said, Barry, Jimmy's gone. We're sitting here talking about you being the coach. I said, what in the world are you so anxious to talk to Jimmy about? He said, I just wanted to get both you little lads on this couch and ask you both, how could you this up? <laughs> I'm a Switzer. <laughs> I don't know what. There you go. There he is for Cowboys fans. I like that. Great. Before taking the job, he I wanted to get. This he, up. I'm going to get you two a holes on this couch and ask, how in the hell could you guys screw this up? I, t- I think every every fan and every Cowboys fan agrees. It's like y'all couldn't put aside your egos and your pride just to go. You know what? I don't necessarily like this dude, but we win a lot of games around here, so let's deal with it. I'll deal with the other side. Neither one of them. 
It was it was on Jimmy too. It's on Jimmy too. It's on Jerry, but it's on Jimmy too. Give Barry credit because he's like, I'll take your job because this team's really good. I'll take that. I'll take that Super Bowl <laughs> on my resume. But I'm telling you, y'all screwing it up because y'all could win two two more. Yeah, now, it could be the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL potentially, but you screwed it up because of well, pride. Think and about ego. the size of the egos because come on, man. By all reports, the, the the straw that broke the back was at the Senior Bowl when they both had had some drinks and certainly Jerry had. And was bragging about because they had just won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. bragging about who was getting credit for it. Yeah, you and know you know apparently Jerry said something along the lines of, you know, I mean, you know, how many people could, could coach this team to a Super Bowl? I mean, essentially was saying things like that. Anybody could coach a team to a Super Bowl. Wrong. And Jimmy heard it. Come on, Jimmy heard it. And you know, Jimmy and his mind going, but I built it. I know. You know what it was when that's, I got that's here? That's why anybody can coach it, you idiot, because I built it. You know what it was like <laughs> when I got here? You know what it took yeah. to get it to this point? That's why it can – yeah, exactly. I'm and then you. Jerry's uh, point was, well, I, I was the one that put every nickel I own on the table to buy this damn team. Also fair. I took the risk. Also fair. I get some credit too. Uh, and you know, that was it. And Barry Switzer tried to tell him. So, at uh, the end of the day, Barry got a Super Bowl, but he was <laughs> – Cowboy fans, I think, love hearing that, that – he tried to talk some sense into these fools. <laughs> hey, fools. Love that Barry Switzer ended up being the, the voice of reason. Yeah. Come All on. All right, now. let's get That's to. Never uh, the case. Let's get to Rod's rant. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's continue breaking down this uh, Texas-Washington game. I want to get to some, what, maybe X-factors or uh, tendency breakers. We just talked about to win big games, you got to break tendency. And I just talked about one of the ways that I would break tendency if I was Washington and Texas should be ready for this if they decide to go up-tempo. I went and actually looked at all the, the two-minute drill reps for Texas all throughout the season. And as you two-minute drill, Texas had some issues defending teams in two-minute drill. Uh, the Texas third down uh, defense actually suffers into when they're defending two-minute drill. Uh, they're allowing teams to convert uh, almost 43% of their uh, two-minute drill third downs, which think about that. This is the third best third down defense in the country. They're top three third down defense, but their third down defense suffers a little bit in that situation. All right, when you put them in crisis mode, force their communication uh, issues. Um, your, if you go look at points per play, um, that number also goes up uh, in two-minute drill for the Texas defense. So that's just one of the ways where you can expose the Texas defense. You could, especially if Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are not on the field, right? You could get catch Texas and not allow them to sub and catch them with a with their second unit in, essentially their rotational unit in, without two of their best players, the the the, the defensive tackle duo that makes them such a unique defense. Um, and I think Washington, who usually they're, they're 75th in the country in plays per minute, so they usually don't run a lot of tempo. They like a lot of pre-snap movement and shifts. They take their time with that, hunting matchups. But in this specific situation, because of teams like Oklahoma, who had a lot of success running up-tempo, TCU had a lot of success running up-tempo. And think about the teams, as I just pointed out, when Texas was up big, U of H, uh, K-State, and against TCU, when they were up 20 to 21 points, those teams went into two-minute mode. 
and they were able to move the ball and make plays against the Texas defense. So I think that's a good way for them to break tendency. Um, also, if Texas, if Texas isn't ready for uh, the early vertical threats against the safeties, uh, because I think Washington will go after the Texas safeties early. Why wouldn't they? Because Derek Williams, your best coverage safety, is going to be out. I would move Jaday Barron to safety temporarily at times. I would think about it. Um, there is some talks and reports that he's worked some at safety. I remember my man Chip Brown reported that Gary Patterson, the great defensive mind, said, oh, he could play safety. As a matter of fact, he actually kind of projects at times he has the skill set of a safety. Um, he's played corner for him, played nickel. I'm sure he would love to play some safety to add that to his NFL you know, draft scouting report. I would I would move him around if they are just attacking the Texas safeties and you're giving up a lot of vertical shots, whether it's Jaron Thompson, Taft Daddy, or Keaton Crawford. He will be a coverage specialist, and you can stabilize things there. And I would even think about moving Terrence Brooks potentially to nickel. If you don't like your young nickels, move him to nickel, and you still have Ryan Watts and Malik Hama at corner. I'm just thinking about putting your best five guys out there uh, because if you don't have your best five, you're going up against the best wide receiving core in college football potentially. And they might, you know, they, they might be able to well, gash you a few times early on. I'm in agreement with you on Jaday Barron. I think he could be the most important chess piece on the Longhorn defense to all the reasons you just said. His, and you've had a month yep. to prep him on this. And, you know, no one studies film like Jaday. He, you know, whether it's dropping into deep safety, whether it's coming off the – maybe it's bringing a blitz off the nickel uh, that changes the game. I mean, he can his film study and those kind of things, I think with PK and, and the, the extra time, that guy can become – a huge factor in this game, especially with Derek Williams out early. Yep. Um, and you know, Rod, they've been working on uh, on defending the deep ball. I mean, they've got to be. You can. I mean, you got to rep it, right? Gotcha. You got to rep it and uh, making a ball, making a play in the air. You know, fifty-fifty balls. They're going to lock you up in single coverage, and you got to be able to to. And it's something Texas has struggled with at times, and you know they're going to do it. I mean, it's it's coming. Yeah, and they're going to have to play some, you know, some some bump and run. Uh, Texas will have to. They they have they didn't do it last season at all, really, when they played uh, Washington, and they still defended the D ball really well, only allowing them to complete one of ten passes, twenty yards or more down the field. But this game, they're going to have to play some bump and run because last season, I'll give you the number really kick. Uh, you know, Michael Penix, he wasn't great, like less than sixty percent completion percentage, but he was sixteen of eighteen on passes zero to nine yards. So uh, he, he really that, – that, they, they didn't get a lot of vertical deep shots or even the intermediate shots, but the short, quick game, Texas gave that up way too much. He was 11-11 on screens. They gave up a lot of those quick underneath routes. This year, take the same game plan you had last year, but one of the tendency breakers for Texas should be to bring their corners up situationally occasionally, take away the easy route, force Penix to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. If he holds on to the ball a little bit longer, maybe your pass rush gets home. Last year, they didn't force him to do that. The problem with that is, the but to that is, the big Kim Kardashian, Nicki, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size. But like Oklahoma State did when Texas went bump and run against them, they just took shots downfield. They were three of seven on passes 20 y- yards or more down the field. Out and ups, you know, hitch and goes, deep balls. Uh, that's what Washington is going to do, and they're the best in the country at completing 44% of their deep balls. If Oklahoma State can complete 40-plus percent of their deep balls against you when you're playing bump and run. Washington's going to be able to do that, too. So you've got to be really judicious about when you decide to press those corners. As usual, well uh, well analyzed and then well said by Rod Babers as he's getting ready for this game like no other. Uh, oh, speaking of getting ready for this game, Bobby Burton like no other. He is in NOLA, Rod. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, New Orleans. We're going to talk to Double B coming up on uh, what's coming, his thoughts on this game. What's the point total he thinks the Longhorns are going to need to get to? to get a win. Uh, Bobby, of course, been covering Texas for a long, long time, four decades now. He is already in New Orleans. We'll talk to him coming next, plus before the end of the hour, a little round of who said that, Rod? Who said that? Uh, Including former Cowboys quarterback talking about the difference once Jimmy Johnson left the Cowboys. It's Hook Him Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Him Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, uh, before we uh, check in with our man Bobby Burton in New Orleans, Ty, can, uh, before you call Bobby, can we play this? I wanted to play this because uh, we were talking about, before your rant, we had Jimmy Johnson, or Jerry Jones, talking about, you know, Barry Switzer trying to talk him out of the Jerry Jones, Jimmy, the divorce, right? And say, what are you fools doing? Seriously, come on, man. Ty, can you, I, I sent you this. This is Troy Aikman from an interview he did talking about the difference this is, where I, this is not to rile up Cowboy fans. We're only playing this because they're putting him Jim in the ring Johnson. of honor yeah, it's finally. Yeah. It's actually finally happening, and he's going into the ring. But this is for fans who, like Ty. Ty wasn't born when this was all happening. Uh, you know, He's part of that generation that doesn't remember all this. Listen to Troy Aikman on what happened and what changed when Jimmy Johnson left. Uh, I alluded to this earlier about Troy Aikman, but here's Troy Aikman's memory. Remember, this is a team that already won two Super Bowls. Then they didn't win it, and then they did win it. Uh, in Barry Switzer's second year. But uh, here's, here's Troy Aikman of what he saw change within the team without Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy was the head coach. It was a good cop, bad cop type relationship. Hold on that damn football! God dog it! He'd rip into guys, and guys are upset and frustrated. And, and I'd say, hey, 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 just let it go. Let it go. Hey, don't worry about him. Let's just, let's just go practice. But deep down, I agreed with everything that he said. And then after he left, there was nobody that was doing that. It was very difficult then to always be the bad guy. Pack! Pack! You got Pack. 136 Pack. You know the play? Yeah. yeah. Guys, we're junior high. That's junior high. That's some damn pitiful. It ain't even funny. Let's go. You know, we're just not, we're not good enough. We're not as good as we used to be to be, you know, continually overcome that. You know, we can't have negative plays. I remember a time. I, I was hurt. Troy came to me and said, I, I need you to practice. I just need you out there. 16. Practices are different without you being out there. I need you out there driving the guys. He said, it's just a difference. And that was the first time I really felt like I feel the pressure. I feel that he feels he has to do the things that Jimmy used to do to keep everybody there. And I'm sure that took a lot of fun out of it for him. As great as the first part of With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Coming up. It's pretty good stuff. It is really good stuff. 
And That's, it shows you like how the dynamic changes when you just remove, you know, one element from a team. You think, oh, well, they still got the same guys. It's like, yeah, but now those guys are playing different roles. They have different responsibilities, you know. Because- well, there's also that's a really good documentary too. It's one of those thirty for one of those NFL films things that they do on NFL Network. And it's it, how fragile a culture can be. Yeah, and and how the, yeah. the Barry Switzer came in as the get along guy, and you know, people. Would, this is when the White House began with the Cowboys, and they had won two Super Bowls. They were rock stars. They'd show up to practice all hungover and. You know, Jerry, uh, uh, Barry wouldn't do anything about it. And uh, there was one time where he canceled practice because they were hungover. And Troy was like, what? Yeah. No. No, <laughs> no this is when we go full make bore. Them run and vomit on the field <laughs> yeah. and pass out. And then we'll get the trainers in to get them and they'll learn a lesson. Yeah, yeah, the bootleggers boy might have, might have had a little hangover yeah. himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Let's, uh, let, we'll get back to more Cowboys the weekend that Jerry Jones will put Jimmy Johnson finally in the ring of honor. That will happen on Saturday night. But on Monday night, it's Texas and Washington from New Orleans, and let's go live on the Vaqueros hotline to New Orleans. Uh, just wrapped up his coffee and football broadcast on On Texas Football. He's now headed over to a meeting. He is Bobby Burton, our great friend. Bobby, how are you, my man? Good. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, Bobby. Thanks for joining us. Hey, how's, uh, how's NOLA? How's the, how's the feel? I know it's the calm before the storm, but is it starting to heat up? Hey, guys, y'all, y'all will appreciate this. I'm an early riser. You guys have to get up early, too, right? I, I found out this morning when I went out for coffee at 6 a.m. There's no place in this in this town that opens before 7 a.m. It's a it's a late night town. <laughs> I, was, I was out looking for coffee in the French Quarter and there's not a place open. They they all closed right at like four or five, I'm sure. So I was I, that that that's how my morning went so far. But uh, no, I mean get ready for the the Longhorns with the Huskies uh, on uh, Monday night. Longhorns go to practice uh, about 2 o'clock this afternoon, so it should be fun. It should be fun. And uh, obviously, we've talked about it for weeks now, Bobby, and we'll talk about it more on Monday. But uh, a very even matchup. I mean, you're you're trying to find, you know, where the separation is between these teams. Might be on the lines of scrimmage when it comes down to it, which means the Texas O-line and D-line have to to play really good games. Yeah, You know, and, and we don't know who's better. That's, I mean, that's what I, I think is like, yes, Washington won the Joe Moore Award, right? But they play in the Pac-12, right? Yes, Texas' defensive front was dominant, but have they played an offensive line as good as Washington's? And we don't know those answers. You know, we, we truly don't. The one thing I would add that is interesting to me is something that Christian Jones said, I believe it was yesterday. They did not like, Texas did not like how, they performed in the run game last year. And I think the Texas offensive line is out for a little bit of revenge in this game. If that's the case, I bet they can run against Washington a little. And I I, I think that might be a spark for the Texas offense. Yeah, that's interesting, uh, Bob, because I, you know last year was more the injuries, I think, and the uh, the loss of personnel at the running back position. No Bijan Orojo, uh, and then Keelan Robinson not really fitting uh, with the run style that they wanted. But obviously, C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue will be very different. I want I want to ask you about the uh, the the other side, the, the lines of scrimmage period. I guess is what we're talking about here. Uh, you're talking about Texas being able to run the football, but now it seems like a lot of the the pre-fight hype is around the matchup between uh, the offensive line, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line for Washington, and the Texas defensive front. Um, and I do think that will be the biggest uh, the determining factor in this matchup. Can Texas, after they stop the run, because I think they will stop the run, Bobby, can they put pressure on Michael Penix? 
Uh, that's what this outline, this O line is elite at doing is the, protecting their quarterback, and he's elite at getting rid of the football. They didn't get a sack on him last year, didn't get a hit on him last year, or a knockdown. Does that change this year when they make them a little bit more one dimensional? You know, I, I don't know. If I had that answer, Rod, you and I would be in Vegas making all kinds of money. I, I, I feel like I feel like they can, and they've proven that they're better this year than they were a year ago. Um, and I think that part of that has been the reason for their success, Texas's increased success on third down, uh, you know. And But you look at it, and Penix has not been under duress much at all from anyone this year, right? So it's not just Texas. It's how good is that Washington offensive line at protection. And I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've watched, I guess, five Washington games now this year in full, and I think that – I think that they're good. I don't know that they're great. And I do feel like the combo of Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy can be great. But even so, those guys are only going to play 30 to 40 snaps a game, right? And so what what happens when they're not in there, Rod? And is that when Washington makes hay? Look, these, these two teams, in my opinion – One's 12 and one, the other's 13 and 0. There's a reason both of them are where they're at right now. So it's good on good. And when it's good on good, it usually takes one or two players to make a difference in a game. And who's that going to be? Is that going to be Roma Dunze? Is that going to be Michael Penix? Xavier Worthy? AD Mitchell? JT Sanders? Quinn Ewers? I don't know. And uh, that's why they lace them up. Yeah, that is. Uh, we were just talking to Rod's uh, rant about uh, Jade Barron. I mean, how, how big of an injury, how big of an issue is it to not have Derek Williams, the freshman safety, in the first half? And could Jade Barron be a puzzle piece that kind of helps with that as a safety potentially, uh, but also as the game goes on, be a guy that with a month to prepare, PK could move around the chessboard a little bit and try to use with his, with his high football IQ to, to be a playmaker that can make those plays you're talking about. Jade Barron, how big of a loss is Derek Williams for you? I, I think it's big. Um, as Rod likes to call him, he thinks he's the best. Rod, you said this. You think he's the best coverage safety Texas has. Yep. And this is a team, Washington, that likes to stretch the field vertically. So I, I think it clearly matters. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the question will be, what does Pete Kwiatkowski have different for Washington this year, maybe, than what he had last year? You know he's going to do something. You just don't know what. And... Um, I'm, I'm concerned with the, te- with the Washington passing attack downfield. I think they're going to try to find some things that maybe they, they went back and looked at the film last year that they could have connected on against Texas. At the same time, I think this is a different Texas defense. Uh, there's not as many busts. Uh, I think that, the, as we've talked about, they are getting more real pressure on the quarterback this year, Texas is. And furthermore, I, I just think Texas is starting to make more plays, uh, whether that's Manny Muhammad with a pick or Jaron Thompson with that pick he had against Iowa State. I mean, they're, they're starting to make real plays. And so I just think that these are two different teams than a year ago. And so I'm, I'm not really sure how much we can extrapolate between the two games of what we saw a year ago based on what we're going to see on Monday night. I, I just don't know. It's good stuff. 
Uh, go ahead, Ron. Yeah, right, Bobby, how do you think, um, you know, Sark, th- there's a lot of expectation that Sark is going to come out and be very, very creative early on. Um, he's had so long to prepare, and we've seen him be in big games with extra time um, come up with some really innovative concepts. Who do you think he features early on in that script? Yeah, that script always features, uh, you know, one or two mm. players specifically. Uh, is it just – is it going to be oh, the old X-Men? Who would you feature early on considering the matchup? Probably one of the running backs in the passing game or Jordan Whitley. Ooh, um, I and, I, and I say that to, to decrease expectations and open up Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell later mm-hmm. um, when the game gets on the line. But we've seen him come out and feature either the running backs out of the backfield or Jordan Whittington early, and I think that might be where they try to hit early and then keep Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell in the holster, if that makes sense. Yeah, use them as decoys early on. Yeah. Because uh, you know yeah. they're going to be yeah. keying on them. Yeah, no question. I'm think yeah, about exactly. uh, so you, you kind of just uh, – you kind of just – yeah, no, you kind of just uh, – you make them go to sleep a little bit, right? If you have other things going on and – Maybe they roll coverage a little bit differently, and then all of a sudden Xavier Worthy's one-on-one as opposed to safety over the top. There's all kinds of little things that can happen if you start off um, off schedule and, and what they're expecting. And I'd also say the one the guy that they can't match up with, I don't think, is JT. And JT Sanders, who was a big factor early in the uh, Oklahoma State game in that Big 12 title game. Hey, uh, Bobby, uh, as far as Monday, your plan, I know I'm going to be joining you and you're going to be joining us for some combo coverage uh, from Manning's Restaurant. Give everybody the details. You're going to be out there all day. There's also a big Texas One Fund event at that spot uh, on Monday, uh, the first day of 2024. Give us, give us our, our listeners who are headed that way your plan and then uh, what we're going to be doing uh, that evening. Yeah, absolutely love this. I mean, there's going to be 1,500 to 2,000 Texas fans at this one spot. It is Manning's, and that is the namesake. Uh, Archie Manning's place in uh, downtown New Orleans is a uh, sports bar, has 100-plus TV. So we're going to be playing all the bowl games on New Year's Day, of course. And then we'll be broadcasting live on, on Texas football from 10 until 4. And then you guys are going to take over from 4 to 7 to lead up to pregame, Aaron. And uh, we'll have, I'm, I don't know, I think 10 to 15 different uh, former players on that are going to be uh, with us during that time period. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Check us out on YouTube, on Texas Football, or, of course, uh, on the Horn as well from 4 to 7. I, I'm ready for it, man. This is, uh, I'm sitting here in front of the team hotel right now, by the way, guys. They're at the Marriott on Canal, and there is a Bevo um, out here, a Bevo inflatable that has to be, I don't know, a story high. <laughs> so uh it is it is full regalia here on chartres and uh chartres and canal street in downtown new orleans there you go all right man well bobby we look forward i'll get there on saturday and uh, track you down and we'll certainly look forward to monday uh, at mannings uh, throughout the day talking to former players it's a texas one fund event it's going to be the who's who uh of burn orange on that day and we look forward to being a part of that thank you bobby very much and i know you have a meeting to get to thanks for jumping on with us thanks bobby yeah, you guys have a good one. Safe travels, Aaron. All right, buddy. Uh, he's already there. Yeah, he called me yesterday. He was traveling in. He was driving down. Yeah, there. I think he got in like a seven something, and we did some. Uh, yeah, got got on got on, got on some um, some on Texas stuff. Did a couple of live streams and stuff. So having some fun. They're man. ready, man. Logan fans are excited. They are <laughs> rightfully. Uh, they have. I mean, Logan fans. Listen, Logan fans have a great athletic department. So they've had other sports. Volleyball just won a back to back national title. So they've had other things to celebrate, but. 
football hadn't been this good in a 15 years or so. It's been a really long time since their team has been this good. All right. Uh, well, we'll pick up those conversations. Your thoughts on what we talked to Bobby about and his thoughts on, uh, you know, we'll see. I like him about the decoy thing. I like featuring – you got you got to break tendency early. Um, I, my thing is pass to open up the run on early downs, have a high, high pass rate on early downs. His idea – Jay Witt featured on early uh, in the passing game early with running backs featured. Those are short, high percentage, easy passes too. RPO completions. I like where Bobby's going on that. I'm all for that. Yeah. Well, because you have enough weapons, and you know exactly. Sark's typical mindset is to get X Man going early, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, but you you, you got to know they're expecting that. So could you pivot out of that? And your whole point all the time about you know the the pony package, right? Getting two running backs on the field, and it's not a bad um, idea. You know, you're 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 all the P's, you know. Uh, pony package pivot with uh, six O line. I want to see it all. Last year he didn't. He didn't have a lot of variety. No, no, no. That was my sets. that was my eyewitness observation. That was a lame game plan. Yeah. Um, they were flat footed on the offensive line to hear Christian Jones say we weren't happy with our performance because even though Keelan Robinson's not a fit, they didn't move anybody. No. Um, and it was it was not, the best player in that game was was Quinn Ewers. I mean, that was the only thing that was exciting about it. I agree with that. Texas fans left mad at Xavier Worthy because he dropped a long touchdown pass, which he had dropped a lot of balls. Turns out he had a broken hand or whatever it was. Uh, but he, you know, it was just it was just not their best. They 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 looked like they were happy to be in the Alamo they, Bowl. They looked like they they lost their best player and their best leader. Yeah, and that's what happened. Yeah, no re, no Ro, no Rojo no Bijan. I think we'll see the more intense. Tuscaloosa version of the Longhorns in this game with Sark with a month to prepare, much like the whole offseason, you're ready for the Alabama game plan. I think that's coming, but you can also expect a different Washington team, too, than they saw a year ago. I mean, they're playing for destiny. They think they're a team of destiny. Both of these teams believe they're a team of destiny. Every team in this playoff believes they're a team of destiny. No question. (laughs) It is their destiny to get this thing done. We will uh, look forward to it and look forward to getting there. We'll come back when we do uh, on Hook'em Up. We'll play a little round of who said that, Rod? Who Who said said it coming next? Conveying what you really feel inside, but you don't seem like particularly like angry or upset about it. I'm wondering if you could just share like what's really churning inside you now. Um, I'm not I'm not quite sure on the question, Rich. I'm. Uh, well, you don't seem like. Do you, want, do, you want, do you want me to throw the podium on the floor? <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Is... Who said that? Said. Robert Sala? That was Robert Sala. A frustrated Robert Sala. But not as frustrated as the media member wanted him to be. Uh, no. He Tell us thought, what you're really thinking. Thought he was a little bit too calm considering the uh, situation going on with the G-E-T-S-S-S-S-S. I do like the answer, though. Do you want me to do? Throw the podium on the ground? Yeah. Go Bobby Knight? That's exactly. That would show that I care? I think that's exactly what the people want from Robert Sala. Not going to get that, though, but so that was a good one. Um,. All right, what you got? All right, let's play this. Uh, fire this one up, Ty. This is also uh, football-related, of course. Martel Irby, seven tackles, interception, forced fumble, one of the leaders of this defense, one of the leaders of this football team. A couple years ago, you were living in a Kia, working at a gym so you had a place to shower. You moved to Tucson, didn't have a scholarship, didn't even have a spot. You bet on yourself. And here you are, double-digit win season, Alamo Bowl champions. Glory be to God. Um, I can't thank Arizona enough. I can't thank my brothers enough. I just want to enjoy this moment with my teammates, with my family, and just embrace it, man. I, I couldn't have scripted, scripted this any better, you know. So I'm just going to take it for what it is, embrace it, and uh, 
I worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, man. I'm just thankful. I couldn't, I couldn't have pictured this. You told me the last time I talked to you about it, you said, I pulled away from my parents. I pulled away from my friends. I needed to figure it out on my own. How much did you realize you needed to be a part of a team to be successful? Now, looking back, I see that I needed that more than ever. You know, just being a part of the crime, being a part of something bigger than myself, you know? So I can't thank these people enough, and I can't wait for this confetti to fall for us to just go crazy, you know, and just enjoy the fruits of our labor, man. Martel, people don't really know a lot about this football team. There's a lot of There we go. There we go. I think we know who said that, Rod. But yeah, uh, Martel, whatever the young man's name is. Martel Irby. Yeah, you go. Who Let's had a big game? That was great. Cole Kublik. Cole Kublik doing a great job. Guy living in his car, and now all of a sudden he uh, he in Arizona beat Oklahoma last night. Scored the last twenty five points of that game. It's a great story to take the win. It really good is. good job by Cole Kublik. To uh, he used to come on the show a lot, but now he does a show in the morning, so we can't get him on. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Former center at Auburn, but uh, does a great job on ESPN. Yeah, I listen to him when he does offensive line breakdowns. He does a really good job. Uh, all right, Ty, dial up the next one. I sent you a couple of these, so dial up the next one. We can play Who Said That? Yeah, we know what we're capable of. Everyone in the lead does. That's why, they, that's why Casey doubles the way they do. What stands out about that secondary for the Chiefs? If I'm being honest, nothing. They just know how to <laughs> play us. They know the leverages. They know what splits we in. They just know <laughs> – what we gonna do certain moments um they throw a little double doubles at us to stop the two best players on the outside and that's all they do i mean it's not really like they got a jail and ramsey on these squads so you know what i'm saying so not much you know this is it's tough i love that's that. jamar chase that's so good you he's, think got, he's got an interesting voice he does that's, i think, <laughs> think legerius need somewhere is listening to that saying okay i okay, love I think, that I think, what do they do <laughs> no i mean that's nothing yeah, they got a Jalen Ramsey over Not there. much, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, their problem's on offense in the Kansas City right now. That is uh, fantastic. Struggling. That's str- a great piece of audio. Nothing. Nothing. They don't do nothing. They ain't got Jalen Ramsey over there. Uh, and a lot of respect for Jalen Ramsey, though, for J- Jamar Chase, apparently. Yeah. Well, he's playing in Miami now. Yeah. Miami plays Baltimore this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Jalen Ramsey will have his hands full. Well, remember, we talked about Dak Prescott with a chance to maybe put himself at the top of the MVP race by those back-to-back games. In this gauntlet they've been on in December, and he went on too. So he's out. Oh, we know who's, who's Lamar Jackson has a chance with yeah. back-to-back huge games to take take the trophy for the second time. It looks like it's Lamar Jackson's to lose right now. But what if Tua balls out after what happened? Right, Tua all of a sudden gonna be into the conversation because he's got or Tyreek Hill, who's been talked about as an MVP if yeah. he blows up in that game. Mm-hmm. Or if neither one of them really set themselves apart, then Christian McCaffrey rises up again it's because even in the loss, he had a good game. And, you know, the margins are slim in the NFL, Rod. That Miami game, of course, Dolphins played the Cowboys uh, at home. They traveled into Baltimore. But Baltimore played on the West Coast, came back on a short week. That mm-hmm. always seems to be a short, factor. Short weeks are an issue. Uh, right. and, the, and a long travel. Uh, that they had to have. Yeah. So we'll see. I think most people are going to pick Baltimore in that game. But most people picked San Francisco last week, too. Uh, I did. <laughs> I, know I, I did. was wrong. I Mike was. Florio did. Well, he did it with too much attitude. <laughs> hey, we'll be back. Uh, the fabulous fifth hour is going to be the final hour of our shows this week, and it's the final hour of this show for 2023. So don't miss it. Coming back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.